Well, good morning, Chatham Community Church. Uh, uh, this is your first time or first time in a long time. Welcome. Uh, we've been praying that you would come. Uh, what we are about here at Chatham Community Church is connecting people to God and to each other, and we do that by meeting in two locations. We meet right here in the heart of Pittsburgh, and then another campus, uh, they're worshiping just north of the Hall River uh, at this time as well. Well, my name is Ernie Lane, and I have been asked by your pastor, Pastor Jaime, to come and give a message today. And every time he asks me, I'm extremely thankful uh, to him for his friendship and his mentorship uh, that he has given me. I'm also thankful to each of y'all for allowing me to come back and share a message. Uh, well, we are in the second week of this uh, Christmas series called Unspeakable Joy. And uh, if you missed Pastor Jaime's message last week, I want to encourage you to go online and, and give that a listen. Uh, we are finally in the month of December. I think it's okay now that we can play Christmas music around the clock if we want to. Uh, some of us have been playing Christmas music for months now. Um, yeah, that someone is me. I've been playing Christmas music for months now. I, I take a carload of students to school each day, and I uh, actually played a, uh, was playing some Christmas music back in October. Um, and they were like, you can't play this. It's too early. It's too early. And I said, well, you all got in the car this morning, and you're moody. And you cannot sing a Christmas song with a scowl on your face. And they couldn't. They tried. They couldn't. So they were smiling. But I do love this time of year. Uh, People, uh, uh, you know, Christian and, and those who aren't, it just seems more cheerful. There's more joy. Um, but at our house during this time of year, we uh, get out our, obviously, our Christmas decorations. Uh, but we also get out our nativity scene. And we have two in our house. I have the one that's in the top of the picture was given to me by uh, my grandmother. Um, and it has its fair share of mismatched shepherds and sheep. Uh, cows and camels. Of course, it has uh, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus in a manger and the three wise men bearing their gifts. The, the one in the bottom is the one that was given to my daughters, and they use this to recreate this Christmas story, this Christmas scene. Um, and both of them are great. I love seeing the girls engage in this story. Uh, but something that's not reflected in these scenes that will be in our passage today is, is, is uh, two words that I found as I was reading it, and, I, and I've missed it before too. And I think that you'll see one, one's obvious, I mean the word joy. We're in a series called Unspeakable Joy. Joy is there, right? You're celebrating the birth of Jesus. But the other one that's there is obedience. And obedience will come from uh, people that we don't expect it to come from. So joy and obedience, two words that belong together, right? Like peanut butter and jelly or Batman and Robin, Montana the rice. I mean, all those just work seamlessly together. Uh, so today's passage will be in uh, Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Um, it's a, a story, or, or Matthew wants to tell us about uh, Jesus as Messiah, um, so if you would, turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. It'll be on the screens behind me. And if you don't own a Bible at all, uh, come see me after service. I'll be in the back, and I'd, I would love, love, love uh, to give you one. Uh, 
So, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned his wise men and some of the wise men and secretly ascertained from them the time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may to come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, Not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Joy and obedience. Again, obedience here comes from an unlikely source. And we don't know much about these wise men because Matthew wants to keep the story in this book that he has given us about Jesus, and he does so. But there is a supporting cast in this passage. There's, There's the wise man, and there's Herod, and there's the chief priests, and there's scribes, and there's all of Jerusalem. But the thing that we do know about these wise men is that they did come from the east. We do know that they were probably uh, uh, people who studied sacred writings or interpreted dreams. Uh, They were astrologers. And so these men knew about stars. The star presented a powerful sign uh, to these men to go and worship the king of the Jews. These wise men show obedience to what they knew. They knew about astrology and the stars, and they were obedient to that. And this this passage, as it goes, and you see the obedience of these wise men over and over again, it paints a beautiful scene, way more beautiful than any nativity you'll see in the homes across the country or at churches. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The wise men were obedient when they received a sign. The sign that they had received was this star, his star. And being astrologers, they knew the importance of this star. But how did they know whose star it was? Had they heard from the dispersed uh, Jews uh, that were... Uh, scattered about after the exile of Babylon. If they were warned in the dream not to go to Herod uh, to go back home another way, could have they been warned or told in a dream about the importance of this star? We don't know. But again, they did know the importance of this star, and they were obedient 
to that. But they had partial information to go on, and they acted on it. They, gave, they took the information that God gave them and went with it. And I have mentioned this before, uh, if you have caught one of my previous sermons, that I believe God will meet you where you are. And I believe that God met them where they were. These non-Jewish men gave them a sign that only they would understand, and they were obedient to that. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east. From the east came to Jerusalem. So not only were these wise men uh, obedient to the sign that had been provided them, they were also obedient to the cost. And you may say, what was the cost? Well, we, like I said, we don't know exactly where they came from, but they traveled this unknown distance. They took this unknown amount of time to get there. They took gifts to an unknown king that they had ever, never met. And we'll circle back and talk about those gifts in a moment. But they did all this again in obedience to the importance of the sign that was given to them. These things that they did were something that we expected the leaders of the day, the, 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 um, the people, of the teachers of the law to understand, to go and worship, but it came from people that we didn't expect. When Herod the king had heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And I say, where is your Herod? Herod the king was troubled because he feared losing something that really wasn't his to begin with. He had the power and the palaces and the, and the um, status, Right? And he didn't want to lose that to this newborn king of the Jews. This was a time that Herod, uh, the high priest, the teachers of the law should have been celebrating. This was a prophecy uh, that had been given to these uh, Jews 700 years prior through Micah. And they were given, uh, Herod had found out where Christ was to be born and he was given a choice. He could have gone with the wise men and celebrated. The high priests and the people of Jerusalem could have done the same. They could have gone and celebrated, but they chose not to. They chose not to celebrate that one born king of the Jews. Herod's disobedience um, led to a life not filled with joy. It was a life of cruelty and paranoia and terror. Do you ever find yourself not being obedient to God, but to your own happiness, to the things that you want to do? I think we all do. I think we all do. There are times where us as Christians do not show Christ-like behavior. We don't model what we've been told to do. When we see a handout Sometimes, and hopefully not all the times, but sometimes we think, what is the cost to me? Is it going to cost me finances? Is it going to cost me time? Because those are the things that we want to hold on to, much like Herod wanted to hold on to his kingship, to his throne. Sometimes we hear messages of division in this world, 
And instead of taking our thoughts and concerns to the people and talking about them or praying about it to God, we let fear drive us and drive our decision of how we choose the side or pick the side we want to be with. Fear drove Herod. The fear that Herod felt drove him so much that he valued his happiness more than he did the life of a child. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So these wise men, they had been obedient to the sign. They had been obedient to this unknown cause. And now they were being obedient to the mission. They didn't stop when the newborn king wasn't in Jerusalem. And, they, and we don't know how long it took for Herod to summon them secretly with his own agenda when he told them to go to Bethlehem. But seeing the star again once they left the palace and leading them as it had done previously, they followed. They followed this star and saw it rest over the house where the child was. They were completing this mission that had started somewhere in the east. Whatever they had been through and however many miles they had traveled and however long it took them to get there, they saw the completion and they were rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's a lot of joy. It's the end of a, a trip that they were on. As, as I was in a small group this week and we were discussing traveling uh, sometimes and uh, was one of the questions and one of the uh, moms in our group said, yeah, I've traveled and I've gone from Washington State to Georgia on a plane with a one-month-old. So when she got there, I imagine that she felt a feeling of relief uh, so a feeling of, yes, this is probably what true joy feels like. I'm, I'm here now. I can hand my, my, my son to my, my parents. Uh, I imagine she also uh, had other feelings of tiredness and exhaustion, but joy would be one that I would think would take precedent over that. Well, last weekend I had, uh, we had a birthday party for my wife, uh, Katie, and, and I created a slideshow and I had all these pictures from her life and with friends and family. And in that slideshow, there was a couple of pictures that I was in. And as friends and family were over there, a couple of friends didn't recognize me in some. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, they were like, who is that with Katie? I'm like, oh, that's me. And they're like, that's not you. I was like, it is. But what that photo represented, was, it was a, a season of obedience in my life. It was a season that I had decided to get healthier. I had started watching what I would eat. Well, I always watch what I eat, but I made sure what I was eating was healthy, right? Um, and so, uh, but I, I was doing that, and I was um, waking up every morning and walking, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to do a, a 5K, something that I never thought I would do. Because the last mile I ran was in Coach Smith's PE class back in high school, and that was for a grade. And I, I basically said I would never run again unless a dog was chasing me for a very, very, very long time. But I did that. 
But in this particular season, the reason I chose this path of obedience is because Katie was in my life and, and Riley was in my life. And I, I wanted to get healthier with the hopes of living a long time and spending a very long time with them. So I stuck to healthy eating. I started this uh, couch to 5K program that takes somebody who's never ran before in their life and, and gets them to walk, 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 and then they end up running a 5K. Um, and there were days that I would slip up, and there were celebrations or parties to go to with some very good food, and I would partake. And there were some mornings where it was cold outside or it was raining, and I didn't feel like running, and that was okay. But these days that I messed up, I just made sure it didn't turn into two days. I was obedient to the path that I was on with the intent of getting healthier. I eventually ran two 5K races that year and and accomplished something that I never thought that I could accomplish. And when I crossed that that finish line that first time, uh, happiness was not on my face. I promise you that. But it did feel like this moment of, of joy inside that I had accomplished this long mission that I'd been on for a long time. Um, but it was, it was a good feeling. I don't know if it was true joy yet. But it gave me confidence that I, I, could, I could do things, right? Um, and, I, and, I, and I can think back on that moment, and I still feel uh, a little bit of uh, that, kind of that feeling of joy inside of me. Um, in a much grander way, these wise men uh, had finally reached their destination. They had uh, completed what they had started out to do. And so they were able to re- uh, rejoice exceedingly with great joy. But after I had, I had done those five Ks, I had a Herod moment. And it came and I thought that I could stay healthy and do whatever I wanted to do. I could eat pizza. I love pizza. But I would eat pizza at night, and then the next morning there was still pizza there, and I didn't want it to go away, so I'd have pizza for breakfast. And then later on that week, somebody would say, hey, you want to go get pizza? I was like, sure, you put pizza in my face, I'm going to eat pizza. Like, I love pizza. And I would do that. But then there was also times where I didn't want to work out because there's no better sleep than when you get to hit the snooze button and know that you don't have to wake up right at that moment. And so I would enjoy that five-minute sleep or seven-minute sleep, however long my snooze lasted. And I chose to stop running, stop working out. And so that Herod moment came in the not eating healthy and and the lack of exercise. And I thought that I would be able to... um, I would be able to uh, enjoy happiness and joy at the same time. I thought that uh, betting on me was going to be okay, that I could do this by myself. And, but at the same time, I was betting against God. And what I didn't tell you in my, in my, my path of obedience is I leaned on God a lot. I did it in moments of where I was saying, Lord, please help me get through this exercise. Lord, please don't let me think of an excuse today. Lord, please don't let me get injured at this moment. Lord, please give me, help me with moderation at the uh, work uh, birthday party today. Lord, I need you. And so I leaned on him. Where or what are your Herod moments? 
how do they get in your way? It, it could be when you are trying to be in a season of healthy eating like I was or exercise. It could be that you have a project at work and you're like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then it finally comes and you're not doing well. Are there Herod moments that affect your spiritual life? I'm guilty of that. Are there times when keeping up with the Kardashians or the Joneses is more important than keeping up with your neighbor or a friend that you haven't talked to in a while? Maybe it's binge-watching the newest show on Netflix instead of taking a moment to be in prayer. If we were to take account how many minutes each week we spend giving to God and how many minutes each week we spend dedicated to uh, pursuing our own happiness, I think we'd be shocked. I don't know if we'd necessarily be surprised, but I think we'd be shocked at the difference in the time. But thankfully, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love, right? He gives us grace. He gives us grace when we get off our path of obedience to pursue our own happiness. He welcomes us back in. Lastly, these wise men were obedient in their worship. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. These men were doing what no one expected them to do. Again, they were doing what the followers of the law should have been doing. And so... The first thing they did when they saw the child is they fell down and worshiped, just like they intended to do from the very beginning. And then they were able to present gifts worthy of this newborn king of the, or this born king of the Jews. They gave the gifts, the gift of gold that was worthy of Jesus' kingship, and they offered frankincense that was often used as in worship in the Jewish temple. And lastly, they gave myrrh, which may have seemed odd, but if you don't know, if you didn't know the whole Jesus story, myrrh was the spice used for embalming the dead. And knowing that, this gift was just as appropriate as all of the others, seeing as Jesus would be the one to die for all our sins. Well, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, I would like each one of you to to do something for me. First, I want you to look at your life and name your Herod moments. Where are you looking towards your outward expression of happiness and not your inward feeling of joy? Maybe we need to be more intentional of waking up uh, to prayer with God instead of hitting snooze a couple of times. I could do that. Maybe we need to, instead of watching one more episode of the show we really enjoy on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, maybe that can be the time that we spend reaching out to a friend or neighbor just to check in, right? Just to talk. Maybe you can use this time, and I would love to hear this one day, is I took that time in that season of my life and I joined a small group. 
I had been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, and I joined the small group. Because I can attest to you that being in a small group, I mean, you can't even pay back what you get out of a small group. It is another family, a close family that you can lean on at all times. Secondly, how can you be more obedient to God in the mission that he has given us? We, were, we are to share the good news, right? To share the gospel. Well, we're in this season of Christmas, and as we talked about earlier, this is a great time to invite others. We're still going to have our normal Sunday morning services, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have, as we said earlier, at the North Chatham campus, our Christmas concert with our Christmas choir that's been working for months on. And that's next Sunday night. And then we're going to have Christmas Eve services at two locations, right? Two times at both locations. So if there's somebody, a name that you've been thinking about inviting the church and it just hasn't happened yet, use this opportunity to invite them to church, to be obedient to the, the, what we've been told to do of sharing the gospel, sharing the good news. And the good news about being a one church in two locations, if you invite them and they're like, huh, I don't know if I can make it south of the Hall River, I say, I'll meet you up there. Okay? I invite y'all to do that. But think of that name today as you go through your day and, and, and work on uh, inviting them and sharing the news and inviting them to church. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am thankful for your son, the one who was not born to be served but came to serve, to give his life for the sins of all time. We are thankful that your love is freely given to us, and there is nothing we can do that can earn that love. We are thankful for your grace extended when we step off the path of obedience to you, We are thankful for the spirit of joy that sustains us through all circumstances. Only you, God, can give us this joy, and we celebrate life's happy moments at times. Promotions, new friends, a great report card, the purchase or selling of a house. But let us not forget that when all those things are gone, our happiness fades. Yet joy in you never will. For for those of us who realize how little we are truly joyful, I want to speak the words of the psalmist. And ask you, Father, that you restore to us the joy of your salvation. Lord, may you hear our voices as we lift them up to you in worship and praise. Amen.